0: This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. Hey, we're going to have a, a lot of update, a number of updates today. We'll talk with uh, John Schlafly. John and Andy Schlafly wrote a column this week on the Schlafly Report about... um the uh president trump and handling of the j6 defendants um that's it a, was a good column we'll talk with him about that um also but we're going to also talk with wendy strock mahoney who is a journalist over at uncoverdc.com dc.com someone that i've followed and i know well now she's written a couple of pieces one a few days ago about the january 6th uh who these people are and then another one about rachel powell who is facing a massive sentence and how Well, we've covered it in the last couple of days. The intensity of the uh, prosecution and the judges, the process is meant to reinforce what they say is an insurrection, which I think most normal people would say was a riot uh, of some kind. And uh, the combination of calling it a terrorist act and an insurrection is both, I think, a way to get towards Trump, which is one of their goals, but also this is a way to write history. You know, when a federal court, no matter how misguided you think they are, is talking in open court for hours like the other day, one of the judges did. And then in writing about insurrection and about a threat to democracy and all, it has an impact. It has an impact, and so deconstructing that is a major, major effort uh, that I think uh, we have to undertake, and Wendy Strzok-Mahoney is doing some of that by humanizing the stories uh, behind some of the folks, so we'll talk with her in a few moments. Please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, sign up there for the daily email. The daily email is... Um, Uh, The Daily Wink comes out at 8 a.m. East Coast, 5 a.m. Pacific, and all the times in between. Gives you a couple of key links, a couple of key stories, and it gives you what you need to know. The Wink, W Y N K, what you need to know uh, for the day. And we cover that in this segment also. So uh, here's today's Wink. What you need to know today. I tell you, um, I read a lot of sources, maybe so you don't have to, but I encourage you to do it too. And one of the sources I read regularly is Politico. Now, I've warned you and told you that Politico is left. Left of center, but sophisticated. Left of center, but smart. And sometimes you can read... And you'll get a signal that the, that the Politico is saying about the direction that they want things to go to try to tell people the policies. I, I, the example, the best example I give is I want to read the Politico report from the EU. They, they send it out at about two in the morning East Coast time. I get it in my inbox when I wake up and I'm, I'm ashamed to admit it's often the first thing I read, even before my scripture verse, which is a mistake of mine, but I confess it now and I'll do better. But, uh, and it leans left. It leans left always. You can really see it in the EU because the EU is uh, is like an echo chamber. There's only, only two people, two groups that are, you know, two two people, but two nations that are speaking sort of consistently to the conservative side, Poland and Hungary. Everybody else kind of flops around and is left. So but when you read Politico in America, you kind of watch and, and, and you can see. And Politico had a lengthy piece that ran, I think, on Friday about Pennsylvania. And the headline is Pennsylvania is key for Biden Democrats there say the party is in shambles. You go down to read this article and you basically are hearing that the Democrats in Pennsylvania, uh, it run by a state Senator named street, who is the son of the former mayor of Philadelphia, mayor street. And he's an African American inner city Democrat who's supposed to be running the state party in Pennsylvania. And basically the political article is it's a disaster and he's not doing well now. I have two assessments of this. One, I was the chairman of the Republican party in Missouri and the party structures have been, um, dramatically diminished because of the Citizens United Supreme Court case, which allows outside money to be spent as an expression of, uh, of First Amendment voices. So once you had that happen, you didn't have Senator Bob Casey of Pennsylvania, he didn't need to use the Democrat Party of Pennsylvania to set up his structure to fund things. He Because in the old days, what you do is get massive amounts of money given to the Pennsylvania Democrat Party. And then Casey would have his senior people on the Democrat Party's payroll and they'd be using the party structure to set up things. They don't do that anymore. Senator Casey raises tons of money to himself and to third party super PACs that spend it on his behalf and build it out. And a lot of times the senators, um, will, will not want to even be close to the party because they don't really want to have to stand next to far left inner city Democrats from Philadelphia. In this case, that's how it reads to me. But what you're seeing in the fall in Pennsylvania, there will be a major, a big deal, a, a Supreme Court race, a, a state Supreme Court in Pennsylvania is elected. And so they're going to have one of those races. So the signal coming out of, um, of, um, uh, of, the, um, pencil, through this political article, political article in about Pennsylvania is, Hey guys, this is too important for you to mess it up. We're giving you a warning. We're giving you a warning. You're not raising money. You're not organizing things. This is one of the pieces. When the when the Democrats fortified the 2020 election, that's the term they use, right? They say they fortified the election, which in their mind means they used every legal means to make sure that they won the election. They, they did change the rules, but they did it legally, they say. They did uh, game the system, but they did it legally, they say. They did get massive amounts of outside money spent to hire and promote staff, but they did it legally they say this is their fortification many of us think that they continued and didn't just do the legal stuff they continue to do the illegal stuff and some of us think that the legal stuff was not fair that the Pennsylvania state Supreme Court in fact in 2020 allowed things to happen that shouldn't have been allowed and should have been challenged appropriately and reversed and never were and so my point here is that what what you're seeing is a message that says hey one of the fortifications that we do for this election is the use of of the party system now also inside this is an admission by chairman of the state party senator state senator street that he received a seven hundred thousand dollar grant from a group called democracy first democracy first now democracy first if you look it up and i i i did um the the um uh, the organization is run by executive director by a, a liberal Democrat operative who's from Maine. I don't know if he lives in Maine anymore, but he, he on online. That's what he talks about this, where he's from. And he has been in he was uh, a congressman, Congresswoman Porter, Katie Porter's chief of staff. He worked inside uh the uh the various uh liberal uh, structures. And now it's an organization, again, an independent organization set up as a pro-democracy group. When you look on the website you see that they say we're set up in order to protect against the people that are trying to overthrow the country the the, the groups that are trying to overthrow the country you see how these things connect together you, when you have the judges and the DOJ saying hey it's an insurrection hey it's a uh, it's a um uh, a uh, uh terrorism acts that what happened on January 6 we got to really worry and then you have groups like this that say hey we got to set this organization up so they and here's the admission Chairman Street, the state senator and chairman of the Pennsylvania party, said they received a $700,000 grant, which from this group, a Democracy First, to hire 20 organizers. Now, illegal? Probably not. Improper? Probably. More importantly, where'd the money come from? If I told you that the NRA funded a $700,000 grant to the Missouri Republican Party to hire 20 organizers, you'd probably have something to say. I am not you, the left would you probably the department of justice would probably have something to say and and here's what, here's what i'm telling you if you could You know, I mentioned this at the beginning of this segment. What you need to know is when the size and scope of government grows so big and so powerful and mostly, maybe most importantly for this, the money flows so profoundly. I I was preparing my notes for a conversation I'm going to have with uh, Tom McCluskey of Catholic Vote about Planned Parenthood. Uh, I I think Tom has been quoted as saying that they get a billion dollars every year, Planned Parenthood. And they use the money not just to fund directly abortions, but to hire people that are directionally helping their side. Now, is it illegal? It's not illegal, but it's not a good idea. It's 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 not a smart idea. It's it's an idea that is not helpful if you want to have transparent government that works well. It's it, it's a it's a um a, 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 a the reality of it is that it's a real real problem and the question is when the government's so big the money's flowing you have a a call basically politico is describing this and then inside you see this what are we doing who's doing something to stop this and and to make it transparent and to make it so we actually know who is in charge what is happening and where the money's coming from because remember john podesta is the guy who is at the head of about a, I don't know, 700 billion. Is it a $700 billion slush fund that's supposed to be for green energy? And it's supposed to be for, uh, uh, the green energy that's happening, uh, that's, uh, that is, um, uh, uh, happening all across universities and nonprofits. Is he helping fund this? I wouldn't bet against it. And especially back to my point, money is fungible. The movement of money is the thing that you have to wonder about and make sure we figure out how to uh, to, again, make it transparent, cut it off if we can. Uh, but it's what's happening. So that's what you need to know. Pennsylvania is a little bit messy right now, uh, but Politico is putting out the bat signal uh, to make sure that people come and help so that they can try to uh, either hold Pennsylvania or uh, steal it again. There you have it. That's what you need to know. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. We've got some great guests in a moment. I mentioned John Schlappley is also and also Wendy Strock Mahoney, the journalist. I'll be back in a moment. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a pro America report. Time to catch up with John Schlafly. John Schlafly, of course, writes, uh, the Schlafly report with his brother, uh, Andy. Every week they put together the Schlafly report. The late Phyllis Schlafly did it for decades and decades. And now John and Andy have been at it for, uh, six or seven years, uh, themselves. And, uh, this week's column should get some attention. Uh, the, the title is Trump can and will pardon all. Uh, and um, uh, you can find the uh, uh, column, by the way, at townhall.com on Tuesday, late in the day on Tuesday, but also archived over at com. Welcome back, John. How are you?
2: Good, Ed. Good to talk to you.
1: Well, now you say this and this this column is, you know, a day or two ago uh, is when it hit. Um, and there's all kinds of litigation um, this week, though. Julie Kelly's been reporting from inside the uh, uh, courthouse, uh, the courtrooms. I was actually over there myself one of the days on the sentencing of the some of the January 6th defendants getting, you know, more than a 10 years uh, threats of 20 years. Um, you know, I guess, John, um, it is. D- Does the country agree that January 6th is a, is sort of trumped up, or are, is the country blind to this, do you think?
2: Well, the country, I, I think, is not really following what's going on with the J6 defendants. Uh, the country is following Donald Trump, though, because the, all the media won't let that go. And I guess, you know, the point of what... Uh, We're trying to say in the column is that the the power of the president to pardon is very broad, and that's really the ace in the hole, the solution to all of this. Because, frankly, you know, we don't want to put the future of our country in the hands of 12 jurors selected from the District of Columbia. Right. I mean, this is not America. You know, our founders wouldn't even allow. The federal district to become a state. Uh, um, so it's the American people who need to decide this next year. And, uh, the president's power to bar br- to pardon has never really been questioned or challenged. Sure. It's been debated. Uh, people debate about whether the president should or can pardon himself, uh, whether or not the president's pardon expan- extends to uh, charges brought in state court. But the bigger issue is that uh, every challenge to the, par- the power of the president to pardon has failed. And the courts have upheld the president's extremely broad power to pardon. And that's, we, you know, I think we've got to bear that in mind, that there's no real... Uh, there's no there's not such a complete solution as a presidential pardon to resolve all of these issues
1: uh but john we're talking with john Schlafly. i i, I get what you're saying and i think the column plays a, a good role as a sort of education on the history of you know where it came from um you know president george washington uh had you know issued the first pardon in uh, 1797 um looking at the text of the constitution and all um the the, the question i have is uh that you said the voters will have to decide they'll have to decide if you know if trump is elected he's going to pardon a bunch of these people or if he's not elected and the others are in they're going to allow this to go on um i guess what your point here is 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 that's the that's the 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 fail safe or that's one sort of um possible way to fix what's wrong but some of this stuff is so egregiously wrong, John. It, it, it's the 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 idea that they're having a three hour lecture a few days ago in a courtroom in Washington, DC, federal court, where the judge basically said three hours worth of saying how what happened on January sixth was not only a uh uh you know a a, a terrible affront to democracy it was a real threat to the continuing republic on and on and on and again i say to you john um where are the historians the the members of the bar uh the otherwise sane people that say look we hate trump we do we'll agree with you on that but you can't do this it, it's this really is the, to me this is the most uh, troubling and egregious, and thing that you know brings fear to me—that it's not widely being uh, uh, repudiated.
2: Well, I certainly agree with you that the ideal, the ideal, if the judicial system itself could toss these scurrilous accusations about insurrection and sedition—those words, those two words—have no place whatsoever in anything that is related to January 6th. And every charge, conviction, and sentence, which depends on those, uh, those ancient concepts, should be tossed. But it's gonna take more years to even get to the point where that can be done by a higher court, eventually the Supreme Court. And in the meantime, the calendar is moving on. And Trump himself is facing an onslaught of litigation that he has to cope with during the campaign season. So the time pressure is so great, and we just have to uh, focus on what can be done in the next 15 months and the uh, necessity of restoring uh, a a constitutional president. That's what we need. And then the rest will sort itself out. Um, now, if that doesn't happen, no, we've got big problems.
1: Uh, we're talking with John Schlafly, and he, John and Andy Schlafly, write the weekly column of the Phyllis Schlafly Report, continuing the tradition. John, this is a little bit of a funny exercise, and probably not your favorite exercise to th- think this. You're an engineer and a lawyer, you know, and, 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 and like this creative stuff. But what would Phyllis Schlafly think of this at this point? I mean, she spent... Years of her life in her, I guess, 50s, going around the country talking about the Constitution and understanding how the crown jewel of America was the Constitution, the rule of law. What would she think of this? Honestly, do you ever think about that?
2: Well, uh, I think as people, as everyone says, uh, this is unprecedented. So that's literally true. What we face with Trump, it's unprecedented. And that means... uh, Now, you can argue about Nixon, perhaps, uh, but that's not really – even Nixon is not a good example. Um, Phyllis did live through Nixon, and uh, I can't really testify to what her thoughts really were about that. But again, that's not a satisfactory precedent for what is happening with Trump.
1: You know, uh, Trump put out a... So we a...
2: are, but, well, you know, we have our Constitution. Our Constitution is robust. There's always options. There's always things that can right. be done. And it's it's time to, you know, all of your listeners should whip out their pocket Constitution and study it and talk to their representatives and get moving on the levers of power which are available to members of Congress, and other people in our political system
1: we're talking with John Schlafly. his column again is uh, over at dot uh, uh Trump can and will pardon all uh John uh, you had a chance to to see the president uh, a month or so ago I know we you, you uh, we were you and I talked I was up there last week uh, your brother Andy one of the columnists was there um how, how do you uh, you think he's you think he's do you think do you think John do you what were the odds what are the odds in your mind of Trump making it through all this to get to the nomination and and, and the general election do you think well, Tucker? The... Do, you th- do you think what Tucker said the other day? Tucker re- referenced to, to in an interview with uh, Adam Carolla. He said something like, "I don't know if you saw it, but he said something like, you know, they've done everything to him. The next thing could be assassination.'"
2: Well, you used the phrase, "What are the odds?" And that is, I think, the title of Mike Lindell's autobiography. And Mike Lindell, is, as you all everyone knows, is a great, indefatigable supporter of President Trump. And, um, you know, Trump, uh, to those who have met personally the Trump knows that he has inner resources that are just uh, astounding. And uh, so if anybody can make it through, he has unprecedented challenges, but also unprecedented resources. And so the battle is joined and we all have to do our part to save our country and our constitution.
1: It is, um, it is, I think you're right. And, and if anybody ever could do it, but it, it is, uh. I don't know. I mean, it, it, when you when somebody like Tucker um, uh, says something like that, it's uh, it's um, it's sobering, as the way I phrase. I think people use. All right, John Schlafly, we got to run. We're out of time already. John Schlafly, everybody. He of course writes over at Townhall dot com with his brother Andy, the weekly column, the Schlafly Report. It posts over there on Townhall dot com about six or seven in the evening uh, on Tuesdays, and then is immediately within twelve or fourteen hours archived at, ta- at uh, Schlafley dot com, and you can see it there. And this week's column. About About Trump and the pardon power. Uh, We will talk again soon, John, and we'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report, back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Uh, this is uh, I'm really grateful our, our next guest is a, a journalist who uh, uh, pulled herself away from some other things to, to make sure we could talk uh, Wendy Strock Mahoney uh, writes over at UncoverDC.com uh, my friend Tracy Beans is over there they do a great job they do great writing and I've seen Wendy's stuff before um, she's got a couple of pieces that posted in the last day and a half or two days um, and even more recently about the January 6th defendants uh, and what's going on there's a lot happening in Washington DC we've heard uh, Julie Kelly they do reporting from there. And so, first of all, Wendy, welcome to the program. How are you?
3: I'm great. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing fine. I, I, let
1: me ask you. I'm, I know you and know, I have met now, and uh, we know each other a little bit mm-hmm. offline, so I can say this. I, you know, you're. I, I mean, as a compliment, you're a normal person, and uh, you know, you're mm-hmm. not um, crazy. You're not um, any which way, but you're a journalist, mm-hmm. and you write about these things. Wendy, when you write about this, these, these stories tear me to pieces. We're January 6th defendants, their families, they're begging for their lives. They're begging for their families. It, it's, uh, you know, it, it's eye opening, I guess, in some ways for us to see the suffering, but it's haunting because I feel like it's so, uh, fraudulent. It, it must be hard as a
3: journalist to, to, to handle it. Uh, it's 100% soul crushing. I have to say there are days when, after I do an interview or an article on something that is particularly egregious or <laughs> depressing, where I think, "Oh my gosh, first of all, you know, very thankful for what I've got, but um just so worried about our country and 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 just you know, yes, I am a very normal person, I have five children i you know i i been, I went back to work once my last one left home, and um you know the stories from these people, and the thing is that None of this stuff is really being talked about in real life. Uh, when I kind of, you know, kind of casually poll people in the grocery line or at the airport or whatever and say, hey, what do you think about J6 defendants, what they're going through? I usually get a blank stare. And, um, you know, I, on one hand, I can't blame people because the media isn't really reporting on it, though, at least the legacy media. On the other hand, it does disturb me that people, I mean, even my own family, to be honest, aren't fully aware of what's going on. And they think, oh, this can't be the, you know, our government can't be doing these things. They know something's amiss, but they don't really realize what these people are going through. And, you know, the people did, uh, some people did some stupid stuff at the Capitol, you know, destroyed property, you know, jabbed uh, Capitol police with flagpoles here and there, uh, you know, but... Uh, you know, do, do these people deserve a year, four years, eight years in prison? They're amping up the sentences. Uh, you know, the DOJ, I'm sure, uh, in my opinion, must be, you know, uh, colluding with the judicial branch there. I mean, I, I just, and people's lives are destroyed. And it's not just the courts, it's everything surrounding it. It's, you know, what, what happens to them when they're on a house arrest, you know, just right. like the article I wrote today. So on Rachel Powell.
1: Yeah. And that's where I want to go. We're talking with uh, Wendy Astrock Mahoney. And again, uh, uncoverdc.com. You can check out her writing there and, and others. Um, so let's talk about that one today. I, I, and that's the one that uh, really grabbed me and, and, uh, Rachel Powell. And so you write about, uh, J6, a mother of eight fears years in prison. Walk us through, uh, Rachel Powell, who she is. I mean, by the way, one of the other articles that we're t- again, we're talking with Wendy Strach Mahoney that you wrote about was the lives of these people. One, I think humanizing these people is so important. It becomes less about somebody who did something. It's more about somebody who, who they are. So tell us Rachel Powell's story, where she is.
3: Yeah. I want people to connect with these people. Uh, Rachel's in a rural you know, a rural town in Pennsylvania. She's got eight kids. Two of them live full-time with her. One lives part-time, you know, so just a variety of stations in life. And um Rachel went to the Capitol on her own with some friends. She wasn't planning anything other than going there as a peaceful protester. And somehow when the police started Shooting out these rubber ball bullets or whatever they were shooting. I was there. I did get some tear gas in my eyes. So I do know that they were, uh, not, not exactly, you know, just behaving poorly in some cases. But, uh, she decided to go up on, uh, you know, up toward the tunnel where, you know, the famous tunnel where Roseanne Boyland was, um, crushed and killed right, right. and then beaten, by the way. But, um, you know, beaten after she was dead but um she went in the tunnel um she, she came back out the mob was terrible she was standing to the side saw a window that was um to the side of the entrance saw a window that was uh broken went in there to kind of look around there was nothing in the room people were starting to take the doors off the hinges she tried to get them to stop it she left the room then went to the other side and broke that window she tried to break it with a large Cardboard tube. Mm-hmm. And then someone handed her basically what looks like an ice axe. It's not I don't think it really is an ice axe, but um, maybe it is. But anyway, she broke that window. And the reason she broke the window was because by then she had then had stuff sprayed in her eyes. She saw someone die. She pulled someone off the on top of Roseanne off who almost died. Uh the police were coming toward the crowd, the crowd was getting crushed, um, you know, rubber bullets flying. I mean, she and then they heard that, you know, Ashley Babbitt, which I didn't know her name at the time, had died. And so she just panicked. And and I think a lot of people in that situation didn't know what to think. Their their rational brain was not cooperating whatsoever. And she just did things that now she looks back and says why did i do it well, you know why didn't i just sit down and do nothing and and you know maybe i would have died that day but at least i wouldn't be in this living hell in my home where i can only move 60 f- feet to the right or the left and where my kids can't even uh live in the same house cuz i don't have any bedrooms etc it's just it's it's just so it's just so awful, and more importantly, the community around her, some of the harassment and the bullying, and and just the human behavior, you know, around this issue. It's just the emotions are so high. So, um, you know, it's just it's just a real study in, in well, the way well, humans and, behave.
1: And we're talking with Wendy uh, Strock Mahoney again, the journalist uh, writing a piece. I'll put it up. Uh, 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 uncoverdc.com has it posted. Um, so, what is she facing? You can walk through what walk through where we are in terms of what she's facing and what she's worried about that's a, that, again it's so powerful in your story
3: well what she hopes she you know what she hopes she doesn't face but she thinks she faced cuz she's got judge lambert right um, and he's kind of meted out some pretty you know pretty good sentences over there in dc um, you know, what she's worried about that they'll start trying to pile on terrorism charges because she broke the window and was trying to help people escape the police. Uh, the, that's why she's got this, this some of these charges because she was basically, you know, in, in the government's eyes, kind of aiding and abetting people against what the police wanted at the time. I mean, that's not what she was trying to do in her mind, but that's what the government's point of view is. And a lot of these charges, because she had a weapon, quote unquote, in her hand, she didn't use it on anybody. She didn't come there with a weapon. But, you know, the fact that she participated in this tunnel event, et cetera, um, the government is just they have kind of piled on charges uh on all on most of these people. And, uh, you know, even though the judges are lowering the sentences, the government is recommending so many years. I mean, if you look at some of these cases, you know, some government is recommending 27 months and they get 18, you know, so that's what she's worried about. She's worried that she'll be years in prison away from and I, I almost guarantee and and the judge Lambirth will probably not apply the time she's already served in
1: her home, it's um again. Uh, Wendy Struck Mahoney is our guest, a journalist. I, the thing that's um so haunting is it's 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 the use of the narrative to like a machine. I call it the narrative machine, Wendy, where they say, "Oh, it was insurrection and terrorism." I I I think it was a riot. And as you pointed out, I mean, a reasonable person would say some people did some things wrong. You should pay, you break a window, you're going to have to pay for the window. You're probably going to have to have some kind of record, you know, but we're talking yeah. about years and years in prison because. A combination of the media and online big tech and the Congress, the select committee, have framed it that way. And and it's almost like, well, I either believe it or I want to reinforce the framing. Both is what's going on. And so it's become this sort of race to make it worse than it ever was. And here's the thing, Wendy, on your reporting.
3: It doesn't feel like anybody is meaningfully fighting back. It sure doesn't feel like that to me. And, and the problem is the fallout from this is that, and, and Judge Kelly said it in the courtroom for all intents and purposes yesterday in the Biggs trial proud boys trial uh-huh. he basically said we're trying to send a message for you people yeah. never to do something yeah. like I this mean, again a, yeah. so it's yeah. intimidation it to is. everybody else for questioning yeah. elections etc so mom uh, um, unfortunately
1: wendy thank you wendy struck mahoney thank you i'm out of time but thank you for making time we appreciate you very much we'll have you back again to do some more reporting uh wendy struck mahoney over at uncoverdc.com i'll post her story online we got to run on a break here be right back ed martin pro america report back in a moment
0: This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, from the Phyllis Schlafly Center Studios, Ed Martin.
1: President Biden avoids and even keeps far away from our nation's wide open southern border, where 200,000 people from all over the world cross illegally every month since he took office. But rival Robert F. Kennedy Jr. went to the border town of Yuma, Arizona on June 6th, and he had some choice words for Biden's failed policy. It was like a dystopian nightmare, Kennedy said, with all of these desperate people flooding across the wall in a situation that clearly could have been prevented. People from all over the world, from Africa, from Uzbekistan, from Senegal, from Pakistan, Kazakhstan, Azerbaijan, Nepal, Tibet, India, Bangladesh, Peru, Colombia. We saw all of these people, these hundreds and hundreds of people coming across. And from here, they're put on these buses and they're brought to the border patrol station where they're processed. After four or five days, they're released on their own recognizance into our country and most of them are never seen or heard from again. Kennedy's shocking first-hand commentary leaves a million questions for the voters to ponder. Who is caring for all of these migrants? Why are these migrants coming here? Where did all of these millions of foreigners go after they were turned loose by the Biden administration? A clue to that last question is provided by a shocking new study from the Center for Immigration Studies, which finds that students from immigrant-led households comprise 23% of public school enrollment nationwide, and in many regions— The proportion is more than 65 percent. Thousands of miles away, New Hampshire public schools are harmed by the immigration deluge. Next door in Massachusetts, the percentage of public students who are in immigrant households has jumped 13 percent to 28 percent in the last 30 years. These numbers are incredible, but more importantly, they're not sustainable. We cannot provide a top tier education for our children if there are two illegal students to every American student in the school, as is the case in some districts. For our nation's future, we need a president with the good sense to stop the flood of illegal immigration.
0: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. What's the latest on building the wall to protect our southern border? To the liberal media, it's a joke. But the crisis of illegal aliens is no laughing matter. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're asking serious questions regarding what to build, who's paying for it, and how best to deploy our military. Go to phyllisschlafly.com and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
1: Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Um... Let me circle back to a story that came out um, earlier in the week. I mentioned it, but I wanted to uh, put a, fine, uh, a point on this. And also, I wanted to uh, encourage you to track uh, Tiffany Justice, who's one of the founders of uh, of the uh movement that's gotten so much attention moms for liberty if you go to moms for liberty uh the uh, at moms for liberty on twitter she's at for tiffany justice is her on twitter but she's the founder and she's a leader of this and she has previously served on a school board she's uh she's young i don't know she's she's got children but they're and they're i don't know they're close to my kid's age but she seems younger than me she's and she's a great joyful warrior in fact i think that's her podcast is joyful warrior podcast and she's uh, moms for liberty so what happened was this is what I love this. There was a, um, a a tweet from a few days ago by the state senator from California whose name is Scott Weiner Scott Wiener is a California state senator, and he is a very, very, very far left liberal Democrat. He makes no bones about it. He's got the LGBTQ plus plus ding, bang, 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 all that. And he's way out there. And he proposes all kinds of things that he thinks are um, good for uh, his constituents and his constituents, again, are far left. So he has um he tweeted this. He said, forcing a teacher to put to uh, put a tra- uh, to out a trans kid to their parents, even if the kid isn't ready, and even if it puts them at risk of harm, is dangerous and frankly despicable. Each of us decides when we come out, it's no one else's darn business, he says. And then he goes on and thanks the attorney general of California for filing a lawsuit to try to stop parents from being told about their underage children that they have been, that they're going, that they want to be trans. They want to be outed as, they want to out themselves as trans. Now, the language of this is unbelievable, right? Forcing a teacher to out a trans kid to their parents. The parents are the ones with rights as to their kids' life. If your kid at school falls and scrapes his knee, the school's required to call you and tell you, That hey, we've got to take your kid to the hospital because the the emergency room it's not stopping bleeding. Let's say it's something like that. Let's say they need a stitch. We're going to take. They have to tell you, they have to, because it's 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 your child, and if your child for some reason, and this is what's dangerous, if some for some reason the courts decide to take you away from your, your take your children away from you, it's possible it's possible it's very uh, unhelpful and it's very scary that it's going on too much they let's say let's say that someone is a parent and they have a terrible terrible drug addiction well there'd be a point where the the courts and the and the law and others would say grandparents would say we got to do something to remove the parental rights in this case but they should be extreme and they should be uh, um very carefully done with transparency but here's a state senator applauding the attorney general for saying it's and and to encourage the policy That trans kids be able to not tell their parents, and the teachers should not be forced to, administrators should not be forced to let parents know what's going on. So Moms for Liberty, their own Twitter feed, says, predators encourage children to keep secrets from their parents. That's clearly a true statement. That's a known thing. Predators encourage children to keep secrets from their parents. That's what exactly what grooming is. That's a known thing. There's laws against it. And then this is what I love. Someone jumps in and says, did you just call teachers predators? And Tiffany justice herself tweets back. No, of course not. But you know that. Do you think it would be okay for a teacher to encourage a students to keep secrets from their parents? I don't think it's okay. In fact, I think it would make that adult a predator. I don't care what job they have. I, I just, I mean, I got to tell you, I just love, I just love the fact that, um, uh, uh Tiffany justice is joyful, not bitter. Not angry, just goes in and says, um, wait, wait a second. What what is, what exactly is it? What are you saying here? You're trying to defend, you're trying to say teachers, no, not teachers, not teachers. Teachers aren't predators. Anyone who says to an underage kid, keep a secret from your parents. I'll trust me, not your parents. Trust me, not the people who are under the law supposed to be in charge of you and, and love you. Hopefully, God willing. And that those are predators could be anyone could be a teacher could be a uh fireman could be a coach let's talk about the most likely ones okay let's talk about the most likely ones sadly clergy very sad teachers coaches people who are, are seeking the opportunity to be around kids the reason why we have a lot of scrutiny and should of coaches of teachers teachers of of clergy, of anyone who is around kids a lot is because we're saying to ourselves, why do they want to be around kids? And in some very small percentage, I hope it's a minuscule percentage, there are people that are not ordered, that have sickness, that are deviant, that are criminal. But one of the things, one of the characteristics that you would have of people who are disordered, deviant, criminal would be to say to underage kids, hey, keep secrets from your parents. And the notion that a state senator and an attorney general of California would be encouraging that policy and that others would be objecting when you're saying, um, you can't make parents, you can't make teachers, you, you cannot allow teachers to keep secrets from parents. That's not allowed. It's the opposite. It's not just don't force trans kids to tell their parents. It's you can't as a teacher keep secrets. Uh, you can't keep secrets about trans. You can't keep secrets about injury. You can't keep secrets about anything that has to do with the seriousness of a child, of course. And if you have people in public life who think whether they're state senators, AG, school superintendents, teachers, school boards, who think it's okay and even maybe think it's required that parents be kept away from their kids or better said, and I'll say it more actively, that, that, that teachers should keep secrets actively keep secrets from parents that just get your kids out of that school or that situation you have to you have to anyway it's just great of tiffany uh, justice that she's such a happy warrior and how she does it um it's really spectacular so check, i'll put it up on social media these links and um hope everybody has a great weekend uh and thank you as always to the great noah dingley our uh, fearless producer also ryan height and mason mohan for their help we will be back next week it's ed martin here on the promark report go to you then